Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself from podcasts. So today I have a special guest for us. We're going to go outside of the food space. We'll kind of, because he's little bit collaborating in the food space, but I met an extra cool person over this past week while up in New York and recording while we were up there doing uh, on-location recordings. His name is Brett. He owns and has founded a clothing company called the New York State of Mind, NY State of Mind. If you want to look it up, I'll let him do the intro of the brand and stuff like that. But Brett, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's, uh, so It's an honor to be here. Yeah. And so I, one of the reasons I wanted to have Brett on is I think a lot of this stuff, entrepreneur space, the struggles, the, the long-term goals, the sort of, um, resurrection of brands, uh, and lifestyles as things come full circle is sort of occurring. And I think the same is true in food, but the entrepreneurial journey is nonetheless the same. And you have a tangible item just like food. So let's talk about why clothing, how did this all start? Um, and well, actually let's talk about your, your history a little bit. How, what led you to being an entrepreneur? Did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family? Um, yes and no. My, um, my father is a professional, um, definitely not an entrepreneur. My mom is an artist retired, but she, it's funny how much I've ended up, uh, inadvertently following her footsteps she um she considered herself a uh an artist of um well she calls it wearable art so she would uh weave fabric on a loom and cut and sew it into clothing but it was sold in art the art community at art shows not in the fashion world um and it's funny because i also i deal in clothing but I don't consider myself to be uh, operating fashion. It's more about uh, art and hip hop and skateboard culture. So the the product is really just a vehicle to express, um, you know, support and and uh, celebrate the culture. Um, so yeah, I I always wanted to be my own boss. I went to business school um, with that in mind. And, um, I dropped out cause I didn't feel like I was getting, um, uh, instruction so much on how to start a business, be an entrepreneur, but more how to be like a cog in the wheel of a big corporate operation. Um, but anyways, I, I dropped out, I got my associate's degree and then dropped out and started a lawn care business, which just seemed like the easiest business to start with, you know, with very little funding and, um, and experience, um, and did that for many years. How did that I, go? Tell me about that. So you, were you successful at the lawn care business? Let's talk about the sort of the, the journeys and some of the stories there. Cause I think it's important in terms of your work ethic. Sure. Um, it was successful enough that I, I, made a living doing it for many years. I don't know, I think four or five years actually started it in, in Washington state and then moved back to Massachusetts where I'm from and relaunched it there. It's a pretty easy business to, uh, 
to get going and to keep going. Um, but yeah, I, I figured out a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, well, everything from how to start a lawnmower to, um, you know, acquiring customers and billing and collecting all that fun stuff, which is, you know, it's the same for any business. I think um, it's really cool that you did that. Actually, I've had I have a history in that as well, like my parents' tractors and stuff like that, and using them to, as a kid, to go make money and like sling people. Well, I didn't do lawn care beyond beyond mowing and weed whacking, but um, I like this thing that you're because it's sort of a stepping stone. You learn a lot. I would say it's easy to start if you're good at talking to people and willing to ask people for money that they you deserve to get paid because you do a good job and um so talk i love this so keep going all right well so i i really hadn't had nothing to start with so what i what i did is i put an ad in a free classified paper offering lawn care service without actually owning a lawnmower and i just wanted to kind (laughs) of test the market and see you know, if there's demand. So after getting a few, um, you know, inquiries for that ad and, you know, just telling them, um, I'm not able to take on any more customers at the moment. Um, you know, I was, I was then convinced, all right, there is a market for it. If I, you know, if I'm in a position to take these customers then they're there. So I, went to home depot and bought a lawnmower um with a you know credit card i got from them and uh transported it around in my sedan it has like a, a rubber made trash can you know with a good lid and i would dump the clippings in that and that was you know in the back seat of the of the car and the lawnmower in the trunk with the you know the trunk banging away on it as I transported it around town. And, um, you know, eventually I was in a position to buy a truck and more equipment and yeah, just kind of organically grew it from there. So yeah, I've, I've, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, it's not easy. I mean, then that word of mouth spread then and people just kept asking you to, to mow their lawns and then you just like okay i can get a truck here or i can get i mean did you have employees at any point uh i've hired people to help me but i've always been on the job um that's always been difficult for me the uh you know the delegating responsibilities and and kind of managing employees i've always been um kind of hands-on partly because I have issues with trusting that the job's going to get done to the quality that I, I I would like it to be done. Um, I have, I have some hesitation, like ordering people around. It's not my, I'm not like most comfortable in that position, but you know, I'm I'm again at that place with this business where it's like, I got to, put my uh, big boy pants on and, and and put that hat on and be that guy. Um, so, so what, let's talk about how did you transition then? So you have this, you have the, the lawn care business, it's going well. 
like how do you get into New York? How do you start hustling down there? Like what's the transition that takes place that brings you into the clothing brand into, I mean, you've already got the hustle in mind, obviously in the entrepreneurship. So that obviously attracts you to New York. So, well, yeah, so it's, there? it's an interesting story. I was, I was with a woman from Argentina. We went to visit her family, stayed there for about six months. And during that time, I discovered um, Argentine leather goods and all the, there's just endless factories and um, product there that's available. So I decided to start a business importing leather goods. I tried to run that like uh, I thought <laughs> I had delusions of grandeur that, you know, because I had a great product and, you know, leather from Argentina is some of the best in the world. Uh, you know, I had a great product at a great price. So I thought, you know, that's that I'll, I'll have a thriving leather business. Um, I didn't understand the importance of branding and marketing and all of that. So um, after trying all kinds of different ways to move product did a you know, trade show in Las Vegas and just pounding the pavement to stores. Um, I did a, I had a kiosk in a, in a mall for the holidays. Um, none of it really worked. And I was sitting on all of this product and um, as kind of a last ditch resort, um, my partner, my girlfriend from Argentina and I, would drive down from Massachusetts where I was running the lawn care business. We drive down to New York city every weekend and, um, sell it in the street. I had a friend who lived in Soho and we went to visit him one weekend. And, um, you know, I saw all these vendors selling on Prince street in Soho. And, um, you know, we were, we inquired with some of them how this works. Like, how do you get a spot? Um, do you need a license? You got to pay. And um, turns out none of that. You, it's kind of just a rogue situation. You go out there with your folding table and set it up. And, um, you know, there's just so much tourism and traffic in New York City that you can actually make a decent living selling, um, you know, a product in the street like that. So we had all this, all these leather goods and, <clears throat> it seemed like the, it was just the last resort. Um, so it worked. We would start coming down <clears throat> every weekend and we'd set up a table and sell the leather goods. And that went great. We did that for like almost two years. Um, but it isn't legal. So eventually we had to deal with police, uh, you know, asking for the proper um, licensing to do that. And after getting arrested and getting product confiscated, I realized, you know, this isn't a sustainable operation, but there's all these other vendors, most of them getting harassed and, and arrested and dealing with the same situation, except these guys that were selling t-shirts. And so I looked into that. It turns out if, the product you're selling out there makes a political statement or an, a religious statement, or it's considered art, 
then you're exempt from needing this vending license, which for some reason only uh, veterans get this license. So it's not even a matter of paying or applying and waiting. If you didn't serve in the military, you cannot get one of these general vendors license. So yeah, um, shirts that make political statements are kind of a loophole. And so at this time, Bush was the president. Um, you know, we were in Iraq. Guantanamo Bay was was a, a big topic of conversation. So coming up with, uh, you know, political statements was fairly easy to do. People were feeling very political. Um, and so I started uh, print designing and printing T-shirts that made uh, political statements. I had to, you know, be careful not to go too far in any one direction in the, as far as the, the statement, because most people aren't comfortable um, you know, wearing a statement on their chest that is going to cause too much controversy, right? So it had to make a statement, but, you know, be somewhat watered down. And it also had to have some kind of a cool design. It had to look cool. So, you know, I was trying to juggle all these um, different parameters. And uh, anyways, it it started off pretty well. I had... Um, had a small collection of t-shirts. The only thing that tied them all together was that they made political statements. Um, but they also ended up having uh, some connection in New York City. It wasn't really intentional, but I guess I, I had this idea that, you know, it'd be even easier to sell these shirts that make political statements if there's some connection in New York City, because then tourists will be interested um, so I, you know, I had this, I had this small collection of shirts, political New York driven. Um, and eventually I decided that I should put it under a brand name. I actually first started out with, uh, a name ran with that for a year or so until I found out it was already trademarked by someone else. So I had to scrap that. And, you know, of course that seemed like the worst news I could ever get that um, the name was already trademarked and I'd have to start over. But, you know, it was like one of those blessings in disguises where um, after doing some research on the U.S. Patent Trademark Office website, uh, I went on their database and I just looked up what was available. I took some different shots in the dark, tried some different names. Um, you know, it's hard to, to find a name these days that is not trademarked. There's just so many businesses out there. And some people are just trademarking names just so they can sit on them and, and eventually sell them. But um, I was really lucky to find uh, NY State of Mind was not trademarked. And I went ahead and I applied for that. It was about two years before I actually got approval on it. They had to do a lot of due diligence to make sure no one else was using that name or anything that was comparable uh, or similar. And uh, in the meantime, you know, for two years between applying and getting approved, I just moved forward. I built a website and, you know, started uh, putting labels in the, in the shirt, shirts, hoodies. Um, yeah, so I expanded as well to hoodies at that point. 
Um, I was also doing hand-painted skateboard and some other items that I was able to do kind of in-house. Um, and the name is really what um, so, gave me focus on what the brand was. So as this two years is going on and you're, you're still selling T-shirts, I would assume, while you're waiting for the trademark and you're assuming yes. that that trademark's going to get approved under that right. that thing. So there's a risk there, obviously. But right. let's talk about like the design. Um, how do you get to like the ultimate logo? Like, let's talk about what's going on in your head. Like, you're you're now you're designing. You're in a t-shirt world. What happens to the lawn care business at this point? Are you still doing it um, at the same time, or have you fully invested now into the the clothing business? So the timeline of all of it's a little fuzzy to me now. You know, fourteen years later but i did sell the business to a friend of mine the lawn care business um i sold the vehicle um and i my my girlfriend uh moved to new york city um after about a year of us making that trip every weekend she made some friends while doing that and um being from argentina she uh, was more comfortable being in New York City where there's other Argentines or at least other uh, people that speak Spanish versus this smaller town that we were in in Massachusetts. Um, so she moved down here. She kind of like uh, established uh, a living space there and made it a little more easier for me to then follow behind her and, and move down here as well. Uh, and yeah, I made that that commitment um, that I was just gonna I was gonna live here and um, get this brand off the ground, or not even brand, but just um, selling these shirts to make a living. It was really just a matter of circumstance. I had to do something to make money and pay the bills. Um, so are you then you're still are you still on like still hustling still doing the political statements on the shirt is that sort of sort of your way of still making money for your business and generating revenue while you're waiting for the trademark right and even after i had the trademark i was still for many years i was still selling in the street and still had to um you know have political statements in order to do that um so it's it it was uh it was many years before i was comfortable uh moving out of the streets and just selling online and selling wholesale to stores and you know even to this day i'll still go out into the street and sell it's just it's a fun experience it's free um you know it, police are always an issue it doesn't matter if what you're doing is perfectly legal or not um the police kind of have the attitude of like well we'll we arrest you and the judge decides if if you actually broke the law or not so um yeah i mean it's been an experience dealing with the police understanding the laws um, even participating in um and getting laws changed so that um, there's a whole community of, of street vendors in New York City um, that kind of 
operate as a community and um, go to city council meetings and, and try to defend our right to make a living selling our work. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, that's all been really interesting experience. And, uh, but eventually, you know, I got to a place where I was able to afford a storefront to build out a website. Um, and things just slowly grew. Um, I'm still like kind of in the position where I'm figuring out a like a really sustainable long-term business model. Um, but you know, as the world is constantly changing, um, I think that's kind of just part of surviving in any environment is adapting. So, I agree. And I think one of the things we're seeing, uh, particularly in what your brand represents, is we're seeing that reemergence of like real hip hop, like back from the 90s, early 2000s, maybe even late 80s. Um, and the skateboard culture is becoming forefront again and, and reemerging, I would say, on a new level. And I would say that New York City post COVID is looking for a boom, and that state of mind is going to drag it out of out of New York. And I think one of the things is people always talk about is I think you created a brand. It is the New York state of mind, which you're hustling, um, hustling your way up from the, you know, being a vendor, you know, now having a storefront, now trying to build a brand. That's ultimately what people really go to, um, to build brands. Like if you're in clothing or you're in fashion, you have to go to New York, right? It's the place where you mm-hmm. want to start. And so I think that this is is very cool. And I think your journey is obviously not been easy. I think you've probably had some stops and some starts and COVID probably didn't help things when no one came to New York City anymore. And, you know, so there's been bumps in the roads like that. So how do you, what inspires you to keep going, Brad? Like what, what keeps you motivated to keep doing this? For one thing, it's, it's the name. I just feel very blessed that I was able to get the trademark on it. And from the beginning, I said that this is, this is a, an incredible opportunity to be able to start a brand with this name and shame on me if I can't make it work. I just really made that commitment that I am not giving up until I, I figure this out. Um, and I've just kind of felt like I have to respect that commitment I made to myself. Um, and also, you know, at this point I've been doing it as long as I have 12 plus years and it's like, I've come too far to, to give up or, or, or go back or, uh, start over with something new. I, I've, there's been so many, um, times where I have considered giving up, but, um, it's like the universe will always kind of step in at that moment and and uh, remind me that this is something people want. Um, this is something that I need to keep pushing forward with. I don't think I could ever forgive myself if I did just give up on it. And that's when I agree with you. I have that same thing. I mean, once I've invested the time, I've committed to something and I have these brands, I, I, it's the same thing for me right now. I have like a slew of brands that I've created over like 24 years and I'm like, I've got to do something with these. But 
more importantly, I think with what you're doing here is the New York state of mind also like I built this, this is the dream. This is starting to compound into something more. And I don't want to give up now because you never know when you're going to get a break and you never know when it's going to turn into something more or compounds into something more, which is what I feel your brand is. It's like, again, as that's coming out and I'm not from New York either, but I did, um, we did the New York city hospitals for almost 20 years at food Mm -hmm. service partners. And we also, my ex-wife and I lived there for a number of years. And obviously in that relationship, I spent a lot of time up there. But one of the things I will say is if anyone knows how fast I talk on the podcast or where I really get going, that comes from being in New York. I was very Mm -hmm. slow talking actually comparatively and before New York and the New York city contract came into my life. And New York city also forced me to be more public speaking and more, extroverted and more network oriented and more hustle and build a community around me and all of these things. And there's a lot of times since I've not been in New York that I forgot this, that it's almost like I have to check myself back in like, okay, I need to hang out or call my friends from New York. Like, because there is a mindset there that everyone who's in New York that lives, which is that hustle, doesn't matter what kind of job level you're at. Mm -hmm. It's just a part of life. And you have to figure it out and everyone does it. And I don't, like you look at the streets in New York during the busiest time, the person may have earbuds in and on the phone, but they're they're literally pulling down dollies of food or dollies of clothing or whatever it is that they're trying to get the city to work. So everyone's got to hustle and you have time periods to do it because the cops are also hustling to get that revenue in, which is tickets for, for vendors and stuff for double parking and people right. not paying their are parking for the street sweepers and you know the trash collectors and there's a thousand moving parts so i think the hustle is part of what we're talking about here is there's that hustle and grind that just goes on which i think goes with the skateboard culture which goes with the hip-hop culture which goes with the food culture um and goes with everything else that you guys represent there and the graffiti yep. and, and stuff. Exactly. I was just going to say in graffiti, yep. you got to be on point. You got to be <laughs> yeah. on your toes and, and aware of what's going on around you and keep it moving, get yeah. it in, get yeah. it moving. Yeah. And so I think there's this total mindset and a, a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of people in New York, humans, they start off their, their food is on the street trying to get it out there and the people to taste it in small and very small storefronts or, going into like a a market for Chelsea market, I believe still does that. And like, so there's this constant hustle and it's the same if you're, you're clothing and you're trying to do what you're trying to do. It's always this mindset that I can make it. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. I would say. And it's also just the survival and like people are so family and community, community oriented in New York, like way more than most places I would say. Mm. And um, even though it doesn't always feel like that, but people are always thinking about hustling and people are always thinking about what's going on in their communities. And and I think that a lot of restaurateurs and businesses that are there, I mean, just by putting your name on New York, even though it's a whole state, we all know what New York state of mind is. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit more about you know, what it's been like as you're growing the brand against post COVID, you came out of something where you couldn't tell, or what was it like during COVID number one? And then number two, like, how did you grow out of it and sort of reemerge? Uh, well, I, I did leave New York 
um, in 2020 because of COVID. Um, yeah, business kind of fell off and it was actually a, a scary moment for me. Um, I mean, it was scary for everyone, but on top of what everyone was dealing with, I also had to consider is New York um, still the greatest city in the world? I, mean, I always said like the brand will always be relevant as long as New York city is the greatest city in the world. But all of a sudden it seemed like that may be in question. Everyone was leaving and um, you know, that energy that New York city's always had just kind of dissipated um, the, you know, the tourism obviously slowed way down and a lot of residents were leaving. Um, and it really made me question, uh, you know, if there was a future for the brand, um, after a year of living back in Massachusetts, I, um, I came to visit a few times and I could see that things were uh, slowly coming back. Um, and I actually was just visiting, uh, one of these times, uh, think I was planning on staying for about a week just gonna stay on a friend's couch and uh, during that week someone offered me a storefront um, it's one of these situations that uh, seemed too good to be true and it turns out it was um, as far as that specific situation I wasn't able to get the storefront the this person this realtor uh, had a storefront that was sitting empty for over a year and um, they told me that I was welcome to use it for free until someone signed a lease the day before I was supposed to come in and get the keys someone signed the lease and so um, that did not work out but I spent a few weeks leading up to that buying inventory, getting everything ready, buying signage, um, you know, preparing to open the store. And uh, so even though I wasn't able to take over that space, I had all this inventory, I had all this stuff that I just invested in. So I uh, was, <laughs> I was back in the streets. I had no choice but to go back into the streets, which was very humbling because I thought I had already graduated from that. Yeah, and I've been there. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in that space myself right now as an entrepreneur in the food world, like trying to figure out where the next thing is. And it's how I met you in the first place. Like I'm back in the street networking and hustling with everyone. Um, I like yeah. this. Keep going, Brett. I like where you're going. So, yeah, that was, it was very humbling. And, on, and honestly, like I would not have planned things that way. I if I knew things were going to play out that way, I, I wouldn't have gotten involved. I was really, honestly, I was ready to, um, from New York, I, my plan was to move to Colorado and, um, I was growing weed in Massachusetts and I was given, I was offered an opportunity to help someone with a large, uh, marijuana operation in Colorado. And so I was just stopping in New York on my way there. Um, but, the way things played out, I, it's like, I, I, uh, it's another example of, I was ready to give up, but the universe 
stepped in and uh, insisted that it's not time yet to give up. And so I just had a circumstance. I had all this inventory and um, I had to get rid of it. And so I just went back into the streets and I was really nervous. I mean, on top of, um, you know, having having to uh, swallow my pride and go back into the street, I didn't know if the product would, would still sell out in the street. Um, you know, a lot had changed. I um, upgraded a lot of aspects of the, of the product and was charging more for it. And I didn't know if, um, you know, the price point was too high for the street. Um, and this also happened to be in the winter time. So, you know, it's not the most comfortable time of year to be out there, um, but I had to do what I had to do. So, uh, it, and it, and it ended up working just fine. You know, I, I sales were good and, um, it was a tough year. I mean, cause also that, that year I was in Massachusetts, um, all I was doing was growing wheat, which didn't really pay off in the end. The market completely uh, fell out. You know, uh, prices were basically cut in half over that year. Yeah, I remember out in Colorado, the same thing. All of a sudden, the, every, all the marijuana prices went to half. Right. So, you know, all the that year I, I spent investing in equipment and learning to grow and and i did successfully grow a few rounds but um i really wasn't comfortable selling it for the prices that that the market was uh demanding at that time so um anyways i was i went way into debt throughout that year and um so i really had this pressure on me that i had to I had to do whatever I had to do to start paying off this debt and uh, to unload this inventory I had I had invested in, and um, thank God it 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 really it actually worked out. I I was able to um, make a living, um, you know, pay my rent and handle all my obligations and pay off that debt, um, and so about a year later now and um I, in the past month i've i've uh met an investor that's interested i've been speaking with um, i don't know if i should say the name of the brand but it's a brand that's pretty much recognized as the biggest greatest uh, brand in in the genre of streetwear um, I'll just say this, they collaborate with Louis Vuitton and, uh, there you go. So that if you know, you know, if you don't, then you still probably know who Louis Vuitton is and that they're not going to be dealing with just any streetwear brand. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I'm speaking with the former store manager of that brand who's interested in, in basically helping me to do for New York state of mind, what he has already done for this other brand. Um, so anyways, you know, 
either of those things, the investor, the store manager from this other brand may or may not um, come to fruition, but it keeps me excited, you know, keeps me motivated. And um, there's always the next thing. You just never know what's around the corner and what, you know, who you're going to be introduced to, you know, meeting you was, was also, uh, you know, has been an exciting experience and, you know, now I'm on your podcast and who knows what will come from that. So it's like, there's always something around the corner to, to keep me motivated and, and hopeful and believe that, you know, it's always darkest before dawn, you know, the, the sun is about to, to make its presence any moment now. Here's what I like about this. I'm just going to talk, I'll, I'm going to give you, I'm going to pitch, <clears throat> I'm going to pitch your brand for you actually, not intentionally, but I'm going to give it a plug. Go ahead. Here's Cheers. what I, I'm going to just give a little history for everyone. Like I'm a food entrepreneur, obviously, but I like clothes and I like shoes. And when I lived in New York, like, I mean, my ex-wife did a lot of this by introducing me to New York because I always liked fashion. It just was I was from Maryland, Washington. I'm kind of a redneck. Grew up on a farm, but I have this Italian background. So there was also heavily influence of New York City. But I was kind of, but she really narrowed in my fashion focus as an entrepreneur on like the statement that it made. So anyway, my point being this is as someone that knows, like, I think everyone thinks like, okay, suit represents something. But in the modern day era, like looking good on a regular basis in everyday wear, which I would call what's now street wear. Like I wear a hoodie to the office. Okay. Maybe it's, I have to wear a button down that day, but I'm probably in jeans and I'm probably in maybe Air Jordans or Converse or whatever styling shoes I have on, but I'm not in khakis anymore. I'm not wearing right. that stuff. And if I have to wear a button down or a collared shirt, I'm wearing it, but it's usually underneath a zip up hoodie. Um, or a hoodie of some sort, because that's just the way it is. And modern day entrepreneurs, particularly in the food space, like we're on the move all the time and we don't wear suits. The tie ends up in the soup. So yeah. it's yeah. like, you know, it's things that we can tuck in the ties and we can move around. So these are the things that I like, but I'm also well aware of what life was like before COVID and what life was like after. And also, the general change we also saw in the 2000s jeans and untucked shirts and stuff like that. That's why mm -hmm. untuck it as a company, just so right. we're all aware is there's a change in the way men's fashion is no different than most women wear Lululemon everywhere they go. That's like their version of streetwear almost right. in yeah. some ways. Um, but that's, that's what we're talking about here. This one is, is we're all of an age. We're all starting to get into our late thirties, forties, uh, maybe even late forties early 50s like that era where we listen to hip-hop like skateboarding bmx uh more of our um the new york state of mind where entrepreneurism really came to the forefront because of the internet and where we didn't have to just go be another cog in the wheel came out and this new york state of mind and hustle became not only a new york thing but like a worldwide thing and so I think it ties all that together. Like I'm in a hustle every day. I'm going to work, but I also need to look good and I like thread. So I'm going to plug it even further. Like the hoodie that you have compared to the other hoodies that I have is a much higher quality even compared to a Nike hoodie. So I'm going to say that to everyone. Like the quality oh, nice to hear. is superb. Like I wear hoodies all the time. It's like one of my things that I love. Like I have dozens of them. 
And so that one I wore for three days straight, just so everyone wears, because I'm like, I don't want to take this off. It was awesome. The shirts, I like shirts. I like t-shirts. I'm a big t-shirt, jeans, like pants or shorts type thing and Mm -hmm. cool shoes person. Like I like being on the move. Like I like polo shirts also. Like, um, not, I like button downs, but like that's as formal as I like getting at this point. But I think from your standpoint, the t-shirt is so comfortable. I like in the hats. I think they're so such a well-rounded brand, but it's all such high quality products and the labeling and the logo inside the shirts. You know, I'm looking at the large shirt now. It's like you open up, you have your logo inside. You've designed everything in the branding all the way through. I'm looking at this one. This is my favorite one because I'm in food, which is the old school New York coffee cup, which had the Greek lettering on it, I believe. And then he's holding a bagel and it comes in different colors. I believe it also comes on a hoodie, which was probably pretty sweet. Yeah. And I have uh, snapbacks coming up very soon with that design as well. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm like, one of the things I think Brett also has going on here is with all this, all the things going on, he's also collaborating. He's taking the idea of what we're doing in social media, which I want to plant this seed with everyone who's on this in the food space, is collaboration is more than just the social media or us sharing something. It's physical products. Okay. Like you, New York State of Mind, you're a restaurant, you have a New York State of Mind, it's worth a collaboration. Like this guy is the moving business while before he becomes too big for ever, he's gone, right? So collaboration in food and clothing and fashion, I think has always been something food and people who are entrepreneurs, there's a certain style. They like being in the community. They wear, you know, I've been around hundred entrepreneurs probably over the last few months in the food space and everyone dresses what's comfortable but they right. also need a sense of style if they they're representing their brand yeah. yeah and that's and that's exactly what we're talking about here and that's why i like it it's like or musicians or whoever it's just comfortable so um i think it's going to spill a lot more outside of those spaces and i think hip-hop is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of musicians that are coming out in New York City right now. Producers, actors, actresses, models who are all on this hustle to get more out of life. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because I I refer to uh, the culture, and uh, I'm not even sure what that means exactly. But it's like you know if you're part of it or not. And I think a a big uh, big aspect of the culture is just. Uh, being a hustler, having a, a dream and pursuing it, um, you know, finding a way to express yourself, um, self-improvement and, uh, and just always trying to grow, whether, you know, growing as a person or growing your own brand and, you know, food entrepreneurs are, are some of the hardest working people and we all eat. You know, we all, uh, we all, we need to wear clothing. We want to be comfortable. We want to look good. So I, I definitely see a lot of, uh, opportunity for those kind of collaborations. I think I was describing to you before, um, that I consider the brand to exist where, uh, these three communities overlap. If you can imagine a Venn diagram, you know, one circle is hip hop another circle 
is skateboard culture and another is street art. Um, they're all three separate cultures, communities, but there's some place where the three all overlap. And that is exactly where New York State of Mind lives. Um, but I could easily add uh, another circle to that, which is food culture, and maybe even another circle, which is uh, entrepreneurial hustler spirit. And uh, so, yeah, the circles just keep uh, growing, and um, the brand has really, uh, there's no limit, um, which is. A wonderful thing you know there's really no ceiling to how high this could go but it's also um you know you got to stay focused and uh not get too uh, pulled in too many different directions so you know i i always try to just kind of go with my gut on deciding what the right collaboration is what the next product should be um you know there's no formula there's no right or wrong way it's just kind of what feels right to me as as the owner of the brand. So where can they find you online and where can they find you on social media, Brad? So the website is nystateofmindco.com and the Instagram is the same, nystateofmindco. So we have a few minutes here as we, uh, we wrap up. What, is there anything like you, if there's other entrepreneurs out there or other people that are trying to make their way in New York or anywhere, is there anything like you would want to share with them or you feel that would be valuable to them that you've learned? Because it's been a long-term hustle, I think, um, for you. And I think it's everything's starting to merge together, but it's still even more hustle after that, right? Like that's just oh, the yeah, beginning. Never ends. And never so ends. Uh, what would you like to share if you could share anything? Yeah, well, I mean, with that said, that it never ends. It's like um, you have to, you have to find something that you truly care about, and uh, you want to work on, regardless of whether uh, the public or consumers embrace it, um, because it may, you know, it may just take some time. You may just need a certain amount of time to build momentum to get the word out there, so people know that you actually exist. But um, in the meantime, you have to in, be enjoying the process. You know, it's really all about the journey, not the destination. There is no destination, really. There is no um, final, you know, peak of the mountaintop. It's all plateaus. There's always the next, um, the next, uh, you know, rung on the ladder. And um, yeah, more than anything, it's it's important that you're passionate about it is the the work that you're doing and um if you are then inevitably um others will appreciate it and want it and i think that's where the success comes um, the financial success comes from the success of just doing something that you care about and uh I, yeah i would I, you know, I think um, everybody has something they care about, and I think everybody would like to make a living through working on something they care about. So, 
you know, like they say, if, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Um, that's not to say that you don't work hard, but it's at something that you would want to be doing anyways. So I, you know, I would just encourage people to dig deep and, and uh, really ask some tough questions about what it is that they care about and how they think they can um, work on that in a way that, to contribute to uh, the community and hopefully make the world a better place in some way. Absolutely. And Brett, we're definitely going to have you back on and, and talk more about what the future has in store and maybe revisit some, some topics and, and get some questions together for you for the next episode. So I'm going to have you on for a part two for sure. So awesome. thank yeah, you very much. That. Thank you. Uh, everyone who's listening. Pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone listening in. I thank you guys for listening in. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for sharing the episodes and helping other entrepreneurs out here. That is our mission to give back uh, to entrepreneurs for what they've been given. That's why the entrepreneurs come on here to share their stories, share their struggles. So you, everyone knows they're not alone out there because sometimes it can be lonely. So thank you guys. Again, you can find us on Instagram at Justin, the food entrepreneurs. You can find me personally at Justin Bizarro, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. Thank you, and we're out.